Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hello, everyone, everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. We're so glad you can join us today. We've been studying about Elijah and uh, how God is taking care of him and blessing him and, and providing for him. And we studied last time, about or two weeks ago, about how he... Uh, was led from the brook Cherith and taken to uh, Zerbath, a city in Sidon, which was Jezebel's hometown with her father as king over that area, and, and how God provided for him and the widow woman. We didn't talk very much about uh, when her son was sick and Elijah raised him from the dead, but uh, we did talk about it when he came back last week. We talked about the confrontation on the mountain. But I'm being led by the Spirit of the Lord to go over that confrontation again. You see, there's a lot of uh, symbolism, I guess you could say, with what's going on in America today with that confrontation on the mountain. And we're going to go over that. But first, let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer. And then we'll get started into today's Bible study. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we come this day before your throne of grace and mercy. Father, that we may obtain your mercy and find your grace that helps in our time of need. Father, each person within the sound of my voice, whether live or pre-recorded, I pray they have ears to hear and a heart to receive what your word says to us this day. Give me wisdom, give me inspiration through the Holy Spirit to preach your word, to deliver your word to your people. And all that is accomplished, may it be for your honor, your glory, and your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Glory to God. Join me in our confession of faith to lay the solid foundation for this Bible study today. Amen. It's commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed. I just call it our statement of faith because it's so powerful. This is the foundation upon which we build. Amen. Just repeat these words after me. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven and sits now at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from where he shall come soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And I believe in life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. If you got your Bibles, turn over to 1 Kings chapter 18 again. We're going to be going over uh, when basically Elijah came back and was talking with Ahab. I mean, that's that starts in verse 17. So 1 Kings chapter 18, turn over to verse 17. To save time, I'm not going to read these scriptures, but the, the subject of what we're going to discuss today goes from... 1 Kings 18, verse 17 through verse 40. Amen? Now, we've looked over the past several weeks at Elijah in terms of where he's been and what he's done. Amen? I want to focus for just a few minutes on the man himself. Even though we don't know very much about his background. For example, we know nothing about his family. We know nothing about his religious upbringing or training. We don't know whether he came from a background of wealth or poverty, or even his education for that matter. The fact is, we don't know any of these things. And it's relevant from the standpoint that this shows us and and speaks to us that none of these things are important as far as who he is and what he came to do. We do know that he was obedient to the will and the word of God. He went where he was told to go, and he went when he was told to go. There seems to be no hesitation at all in Elisha's spirit. He hears what God wants him to do, and he does it immediately. Amen. Basically, what we would say today is that Elijah died to self. He was constantly and consistently at the disposal of God. He was God's man with God's message. Amen. He knew God on a personal level. He was at work both in him and through him. He had no home or family ties or anything else that we could find that would hold him back from serving the Lord. And not because no one would have him, but for the simple reason that this was how he could best serve the Lord. Amen. I I, I see this, and I say, for him, this was great. 
I mean, if that's what you're called to do, praise God. Hallelujah. The Bible says some people are called to be single. I've met a few of them. Amen. They're not single because they haven't found the one they want to spend the rest of their life with. They're single because they choose to be. And they're content with that. God has created them to be like they are for His purposes. If these people who's who believe with all their heart they don't want to get married, they're content with what, with who they are, and they have a desire to serve God, and if God calls them, they are free to go wherever he says to go. Amen? Let's just summarize a little bit of, of what we've gone over these past few weeks. We've seen the provision of God. As Elijah went to Cherith, he was fed there by the birds and drank water from the brook. And from there he went to Zarephath. And we saw the miraculous provision of the oil and flour as God provided for him, the widow, and her son. And secondly, we've seen the protecting hand of God. Ahab had searched high and low. He questioned everybody everywhere that he could find looking for Elijah. But he was nowhere to be found. He couldn't find him because God hid him. Amen. Psalms 91 verse 1 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. For us today, I believe the secret place of the Almighty is found in our place of prayer. Amen. It's that secret place where we can spend time with God. God. Amen. And that's exactly what Elijah was doing in both Cherith and Zarephath. Amen. Then we've seen the power of God. I mean, we didn't go over this uh, very much. I think we read the scriptures, but the Holy Spirit had us kind of skip over this for right now. We will return to it. Amen. But he raised the widow's son from the dead. Think about that. This is the first instance in the Bible of anyone being brought back from the dead. Glory to God. There's a sermon right there, but last time we, as I got to that point, the Holy Spirit didn't want me to focus on that, but wanted to move on, and he's doing the same thing right now. But I can guarantee you we will come back and talk about this. Amen. Now, we see his position as Elijah stands on God's side. There were 450 false prophets on one side, possibly even an additional 400 false priests, a total of 850. But we know there were 450 there. They're standing on one side of this hill, and Elijah's standing on the other side. Now, the mountain itself is not that high. I believe it's like 1,000 or 1,200 feet above the, the valley of the plain. Uh, you know, some places we call it, well, Israel calls it a mountain, just out of tradition, I guess. But uh, most of us would just call it a, a hill, but... Anyway, Mount Carmel wasn't, you know, all that dramatic. It wasn't a huge mountainside, but 
it is very visible from a long ways away. And that's where God had Elijah tell Ahab to assemble the people. All right? God tells him later on that, I mean, he's standing there, 450 plus on one side and him alone on the other side. And God tells him later on that there were 7,000 others in Israel that never bowed the knee to Baal. But it makes you wonder where they were at that day. Amen? I think if they had opened this service by singing, you know, uh, who's on the Lord's side, they might maybe perhaps hear Obadiah mumble under his breath to himself, I am sometimes. But I think that'd be it because the other 7,000 are still hiding out. Because Ahab's edict that every person who declares to be serving the Lord Jehovah should be executed. But here Elijah is standing by himself and the king can't do anything to him. I mean, Elijah's doing a truly solo number right here. I mean, he is standing by himself facing down the king. The king's men. I mean, he, you know, the king doesn't go anywhere by himself. He's got that guard detail. And usually a contingent of soldiers are very close by. So he's staring down the swords and the spears and the shields of the king's bodyguards. As well as the 450 false prophets who are arrayed there. As well as all the people who are standing there. Possibly tens of thousands of people. I doubt that there's very much more than that. It says all Israel was gathered together, but you know, you can only fit so many people on the hillside. Amen. But let's let's just cut it down to say five thousand people were on the hill. Which would be pretty crowded, but it, it would be doable. And let's say many more on the hillside or looking up from the valley down below. So it's possible 10,000 people are witnessing this. Not everyone could hear. Word would have to be relayed. You know, what did he say? What did he say? And they'd have to pass it back and forth. But we know that Elijah is by himself standing on the other side, facing down all these people. And he even says, you know, that today we will see how God proves you, proves the people that he's the one and only one and only. Amen. And Elijah says elsewhere, I, I'm sorry, God, the father says elsewhere, I am God. There is none besides me. Amen. There is no other God but our God. Hallelujah. And there is no other Savior but Jesus. Praise God. And so the stage is set for what we call last week the confrontation on the mountain. Glory to God. So anyway, in uh, you know, chapter 18, verse 17, Elijah confronts Ahab, 
And Ahab says, hey, are you the one who's been troubling Israel? And he said, I'm not the one troubling Israel. It's you and your policies and everything you're doing. You're the one who has caused all of this to come to pass. Now remember, Elijah just walked right up to the king and said, it's not going to rain till I say so. And he turned around and left. And it didn't rain. They have had no rain for three and a half years now. Now, all of a sudden, Elijah shows back up. The king wants to kill him. But he also wants Elijah to make it rain before he kills him. Amen? Because he's the one who said it won't rain till I say so. If Ahab had his way, he would capture Elijah and torture him until he made the proclamation to let it rain. But he can't because everyone's standing there. Amen. So anyhow, Elijah tells Ahab, meet me at Mount Carmel, bring everybody in Israel with you, and bring all those prophets with you too. So Ahab summons all the people, and they all show up at Mount Carmel. And when I first read this, I wondered what Ahab was up to. You know, but I... I really believe that he is so desperate for rain, he's willing to do anything. Amen. The people have all come to see Elijah. I mean, there's basically two kinds of prophets in the Old Testament. There are the speaking prophets, like Isaiah and Jeremiah. They, they teach the people. And they seem to major in areas like prophecy and judgment an unbelief. And then there are the miracle-working prophets like Elijah and Elisha. They never preach very long sermons, but like E.F. Hutton, the commercial says, when he speaks or when they speak, everybody listens. Amen. So I think the people came not only because the king told them to, but they wanted to see Elijah. They wanted to see if he would do a miracle. I mean, after all, this was the guy that stopped the heavens from giving rain for the last three and a half years. I think these people were kind of like King Herod. You know, when Jesus was bound and taken to him, he was happy to see Jesus because he wanted to see him work a miracle. Then again, these people might just have been happy to see the execution of the person who had brought this drought. No doubt they were ticked off. They were as ticked off and mad about the drought as Ahab was. I mean, their crops were non-existent. Their economy was in tatters. A lot of their loved ones had died. And it was all, they thought, the fault of Elijah. So they were hoping to see this guy's head lopped off bringing an end to the troubles that they were going through. Amen? So, you know, I'm sure a lot of them in the crowd that they wanted to see the prophet get what was coming to them. And then some others may have came just out of curiosity to answer the simple question, who is this guy? Is he really the mouthpiece of God? Or is it just some crazy lunatic running around the hills? 
Remember, there were no movies, there's no television, there's no news reports. So what else did they have to do? Hey, Elijah's over here. The king says, we're going to have a confrontation with Elijah and let's go see what's going to happen. So that's the setting. And like I said, it all takes place on beautiful Mount Carmel. It's a low mountain overlooking the plains of Megiddo and, and the Mediterranean Sea. And as I said, as I said last time, it'd be the home team's advantage because the prophets of Baal and those that followed them were familiar with the area and they are outnumbered. You see, the prophets of Baal and the worshipers of Baal, they believed that Mount Carmel was the home of the weather gods and that's who Baal was. He was the chief god over all the elements. So they had special sanctuaries built there for that very purpose. And remember that I said Baal was kind of like the storm god. He controlled lightning. If lightning is going to strike anywhere, it would probably strike here. I mean, it's the tallest thing in that area and can be seen for miles away. And lightning will always go to the tallest thing. Not always, but you know what I'm talking about. So the confrontation would answer the question once and for all. Who is the real God? Is it Jehovah, the Lord, or is it Baal? Now, Elijah, like we said, isn't one to give great sermons. But in this confrontation, he makes seven different statements through which we can come to understand the message of this portion of Scripture. He says, first of all, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? Basically, he was asking them to pick whose side you'd be on. Are you with God or are you with Baal? These people, they were basically sitting on the fence. They had not totally rejected Jehovah as being God nor had they really committed themselves to accepting Baal. They had a little bit of both. They had their Hebrew background, and they mixed it with some of the, the new religion of the day. Basically, they would say, what's wrong with a little Baal worship? I mean, you got to live and let live, you know? I mean, it sounds like a lot of people we talk to today, doesn't it? They have their religion, we have ours. I'm sure there's a lot we can learn from each other. You know, we don't want to say that we are exclusively right and they are totally wrong. I'm sure that, you know, they're right in some of the things they believe. We're right in some of the things we believe. We just got different ways of doing it. You know, can't we all just get along? And that's kind of what they're doing there. Amen? I'm sure... You know, we have our turkey dinners at church, and they have bingo at theirs. We both play in the same Christian softball league. You know, everybody gets along great. I mean, after all, that is, isn't that what religion's all about, getting along with your neighbor? You see that today. We meet people who say they're believers, but they also believe in evolution. 
My question for them is simple. How can you worship a creator and then claim he's incapable of creating? You cannot combine creationism with a form of atheism, amen? I mean, these people that we're looking at in Elijah's day, they're not what you would call on fire for God. But they'd be offended if you told them they were cold. So, if they're not on fire and they're not cold, they're basically lukewarm. And remember what Jesus said that would happen to those that he found lukewarm. Revelations 3, verse 20. Jesus says he will spit them out of his mouth. And isn't it interesting to see this is the same condition that exists in the church in the last days in which we are living right now. You have a lot of lukewarm Christians. Amen? I mean, if you took the time to look at the church in Laodicea in Revelations 3, you'd see they had the appearance of spirituality. In all cases, they appeared to be spiritual. They appeared to be worshiping God. They appeared to others to have it all together. But the scripture says they loved money and clothing. They liked the appearances. And this describes people in today's age as well. I mean, you know, they're talking about in the last days. Well, we're living in the last days. If you can't spend it or wear it, who cares what you do? First Timothy 4, you can read that in the last days, men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And when we think of this, our first thought is, well, that certainly describes the people in our day. But this isn't talking about the people of the world. These are the supposed believers in Jesus Christ. These are the ones who are the Christians, so-called Christians, that they will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They're more interested in the fellowship aspects than they are in evangelism. These people are sitting on the fence. You know the problem with sitting on the fence that you get shot at from both sides. The Christians accuse you of being worldly. The non-Christians accuse you of being fanatical. The people on the fence never feel comfortable. Amen. Amen. You cannot... Jesus said it best. He said, you cannot serve two masters. You're either going to love the one and hate the other or cling to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We have a lot of churches today that want their God to give them money. That's the purpose of the whole church. Make me rich. Glory to God. Well, don't let me get off subject. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sitting on the fence. That's what these people, that's what these Jewish people are doing. You know, 
if they say they're with the Lord, they're going to be persecuted, maybe arrested, maybe beaten, maybe executed. But if they say they're with Baal, they're basically turning their backs on their tradition and they could be facing judgment. But they're too stupid to realize for the last three and a half years they've been facing judgment for that very reason. Amen. That's why Elijah says, how long are you going to hang around the middle and not be committed to either side? You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.